0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
1: So then for the next part of the meditation, you might take a couple of deep breaths and let go whatever practice you were doing. and settle into your body. Perhaps there's a way you can feel contented sitting here or settled here in your body. Now, the way that the sequence of mudita works, we first would do towards a good friend, someone who's easy to do it for, then a benefactor, and then a so-called neutral person, a person who you never gave much thought to, you don't know particular feelings for or against. And uh, maybe it's hard to find a truly neutral person, but someone in the range who there's not any real charge around the person one way or the other. Rather than doing the practice towards a neutral person, I'd like to ask you to reflect, to contemplate. What would be the basis for feeling sympathetic joy, mudita, for a neutral person? What would you tune into? What would you pay attention to? What perspective would you bring? that would help you, allow you to have this wonderful goodwill, this kind of love that delights in their delight, happy with their happiness, that appreciates them. What could you do What would it take to have mudita for neutral folks? And then now for this next little part of the meditation for about five minutes, see if you can uh, choose some neutral people, so-called neutral people, someone who you can bring to mind who you don't know that well or don't have much experience with them. But see if you can bring them to mind. And see if you can somehow tune in to their capacity for happiness, well-being, for joy. And see if you can find in yourself a wish that they be happy and that their happiness, their well-being continues. May their success continue. May their good fortune continue. So So as I did this with you, ooh, uh, I was thinking of a so-called neutral person for me. Uh, I'm often curious when I bring up a category, one of these categories, see who comes to mind bubbles up. And sometimes I'm surprised. But for me it was, um, I have a neighbor who lives about four houses down, five houses down. And uh, sometimes in the morning he's walking his dogs. And this morning he was walking his dogs and we waved as I drove by, taking my kid to school. And, uh, And thinking about, you know, I was thinking about him and he's retired and he has, has has a comfortable house, has two nice dogs, has the ability to go for walks in the morning. And it was a beautiful morning. And I felt I don't know what was going on inside of him, but he, you know, he waved at me and smiled very nicely. And I thought, oh man, you know, I appreciated him, and I kind of appreciated him, appreciated his good fortune to have what he has, and, and just kind of, you know, really wish that that his good fortune can continue. And then he can continue having this in his life. And I'm certainly very aware of how quickly someone's good fortune can turn upside down. And right now he's able to walk his dogs and able to go out enjoy the morning. And I just, I thought it was delightful. So that's kind of what Ike was delighting at in and, and sitting here, in my neutral person. So um, what I'd like to do for you to do is I think it's the idea of beginning to stretch loving kind, um, Mudita out into beyond the confines of where it's easy, where it's kind of natural to do it, the people we're close to, our friends, our family, or our, um, you know, our benefactors or something. But to start spreading it out into the people who normally we wouldn't consider, or wouldn't bring into our hearts in some big way, um, uh, I think it's a really important step. It's a really important transition point. And it's not always so, so easy. I mean, some people feel, why should I do anything for people I don't know? And so what I thought it would be nice is uh, for you guys to have a, now a chance to discuss among yourselves. You've been kind of sitting quietly much of the day. And, um, and uh, I thought you'd form groups of five. And in your group of five, discuss what your thoughts are about what could be the basis, what could be the approach, what could be the perspective or the understanding that could begin helping you have appreciative joy, sympathetic joy, and appreciative empathy for neutral people. Some people have trouble with the idea of neutral as much as they have for benefactor, because how can anybody be neutral? But just something in that general ballpark of someone who you're not, you know, neither... Close to, nor aversive to, and um, so what basis could you begin stretching yourself, expanding yourself uh, into having uh, so it's more readily available for you to have sympathetic joy and wishing their well-being. To go on sympathetic appreciation, and to explore that in a group of five, and uh, and it might be nice just you can do popcorn style or you can go around in a circle. And, um, and, um, and it might be interesting to see as you all speak that it might stimulate new ideas and new understandings for you and you can offer that to your circle and, and explore that together as a group and then I'll ring a bell and we'll regather here. Okay? So it might be nice uh, to hear from some of you what that conversation was like. Did you uh, discover something new or some new perspective, or come to some new understanding about how this sympathetic joy thing can be done? A question. Yeah. In our group it's on.
2: In our group, there was some confusion about what a neutral person would be, because what our understanding was that, like f- with your neighbor, he obviously has some joy in his life. You saw that, and you wanted that to continue. But if, let's say, it's your, your checker at a safe way. you may not have enough interaction to know that that person is experiencing positivity. So is that it? who's a neutral person? Is the question in 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 the context of mudita?
1: Uh huh. Um. It's a good. In some ways, it's a good question. I, I, I tried to say earlier that you know it's kind of a vague, t- vague. Find your way in this without a clear definition. Just someone who's not you're not aversive to, and someone who you're not know you know know so well that you feel actually already feel you like them or something. But someone in that gray zone. Um, but what's, but rather than answering your question more than that, I'd be maybe we'll maybe we'll discover something about it when we hear some other responses too. What's the basis for offering, having sympathetic joy or appreciation for people who are in this kind of gray zone of neutrality. of You don't have aversion towards them, you don't have... There's another mic.
3: I found that... Um Somebody neutral is somebody that I don't really know, and so because I don't know them, I find myself projecting onto them. Um, they're this way or that way, or, and, and so I chose that type of person. Um, but I really don't know them, and to erase these opinions I have of them, to just wish them well and have their uh, success to continue and their joy to blossom, uh, and it just erased these projections that I had onto them I see. most likely they're untrue.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so somehow in, in having appreciation for them or doing sympathetic joy for them, it, for you it kind of erases the projections. It's, you see them in a cleaner way, simpler way.
3: Exactly, exactly. Yeah,
1: beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you.
4: So in our group we also found a challenge with deciding what the neutral person, who that was, and a concern about making projections or assumptions about their life when we don't know them well enough to know whether they are experiencing joy. And I I found myself wondering, if I didn't know enough about that person, wouldn't this be a situation for meta, perhaps, well-wishing rather than sympathetic joy and um, maybe it's not so much just the person but a combination of the person and an event that you see happening with them that mm-hmm. would call on sympathetic joy. Like if you see a sports team winning a yes. game and all clapping yeah. hands but they're not your team, mm-hmm. you could still wish them joy even though mm-hmm. you don't know them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If so, so,
1: so the category of of, uh, uh, of uh, sympathetic joy is not only that you're, you're you're sharing or you're empathizing with their joy and their happiness, but also with a good fortune. And good fortune is a broad category. It can also include you know, something we appreciate, appreciate about them. So um, uh, so someone who, who uh, you know, a, a, a checkout counter person, uh, you might not know much about them, except you know they have a job. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's not a good job, but they have a job. And, uh, and so maybe there's, you know, as so you can appreciate that for them, and just kind of may, may they continue to, you know, get more jobs, you know, so, so, or you appreciate the fact that they're nicely dressed, or you appreciate that they're well-groomed, or you appreciate that they they seem to be, uh, you know, basically friendly, or they, they seem to be paying attention to the world as they go about. Uh, um, so, you know, are there things to appreciate in people besides actually recognizing that they're having happiness? That, you know, so we're, so we're kind of sharing in that appreciation, isn't that great?
5: Does that mean that the word joy might be too much? Because what you described didn't seem like it would be joy, appreciation.
1: Yeah, joy. so it's a... Uh, uh, the word modita, it literally means something like to be, to be pleased, or to be delighted. And so to be delighted or pleased in someone else's either joy, or their good fortune is the usual understanding. And that can be either emotional or spiritual good uh, you know, fortune, but also material good fortune. Uh, it's a very the, te- the ancient uh, texts are quite explicit about that. So, so you know, so you know, your neighbor is wealthy, mm-hmm. <laughs> legitimately earned wealth, so you you, can, you feel happy for them.
0: So, at a certain point in our group, we we realized we had a kind of a consensus and that was um, I'll just phrase it the, the way I, the phrases I remember the best and maybe others want to speak to it too um, was being open and aware in the moment so, so that allows the um, if we, we all kind of chimed in that that allows the, the joy that allows us to see and to what, whatever, whatever we see, if we see a deli- uh, something delightful, or if we, we just even notice um, something like, yeah, this person is has a helpful manner, if it's a clerk or something, even if we don't know anything about them. So,
1: so open and r- uh, aware, aware, open and aware. So if we're open and aware, uh, then uh, we might notice things we otherwise would overlook, and some of the things we would notice would be. Uh, the, beautif- the beauty the beauty
5: that 's there nice um, I was in the same group, and um, what we were noticing is that when we did do this ex- um, sympathetic joy towards people that um, and expressed it to them that that openness um, was an invitation for friendship that uh, has developed in many cases.
1: Mm, nice. Thank you.
6: Um, I don't think anyone else in my group experienced this, but one thing that was very different for me with um, trying to focus on a new or choosing to focus on a neutral um, person is that it felt very dry and it didn't, it didn't, like the others, felt really juicy and you know, I could sustain it for a long period of time. This time it was just you know, it just didn't last and it was and then my mind would go off wandering with something else and then I'd pick I, I, I picked another neighbor or you know, my mind would go off, I'd try to pick somebody else. We
1: didn't do it very long. Uh, <laughs> we didn't do it very long. I know, I know. around to like, I don't know, five or six different people and my mind was wandering in between, but
6: it just didn't, didn't stick. And then, as I was, as we were talking, I realized, oh, I do know what that is. I do that all the time when I'm in the grocery store, and then when the person's right in front of me, it feels really juicy, mm. and um, it, it feels compelling and 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 real. But this, just sitting here and conjuring it up in my mind, I don't know, it just. Mm.
1: So you can't make the person come real enough for you. Yeah. Okay, that's good. And what is it about the, the 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 real connection with someone that makes it more easy to have some delight or some...
6: I don't know. I mean, I think you put it very well when you said that, you know, when you feel open and present. And, you know, every time I felt this, I have been open and present. And... Um, But I don't know why I can't conjure it up, I don't know, when I'm, they're not right there in front of me.
7: (laughs) I had the same experience as you. And
5: um, what
7: came out of it, uh, the meditation and being in the group is, it is very dry thinking about these people but what happened is I find myself looking forward to when I next will see them because I picked three different, three or four different people because I would jump from one to another and then my mind would wander. And, um, but the the um, consequence of it is I did get a picture of those people and like my mailman and the woman at the store and a, couple and a neighbor and another one. I'm looking forward to when I see them because I feel like it's going to be different, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be more open and more aware
1: when, when I see those neutral people. <laughs> my joy. They're not so neutral anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe the last one over here, for Judith.
7: Um, uh, the person... Well, actually, there are two people that I chose. They were a couple of men that I saw this morning having a little conversation in the elevator at the Caltrain, and um, I guess that happens to me a lot. Is I'll I'll notice people who are strangers out in public, and there's just something about seeing. Uh, I mean, I'm seeing people's um, success, their their joy, their well-being, just in their body language, or the things that they say to one another, and there's something about just the simple ordinariness of it that is such a pleasure, and there's something about um, what feeling that it evokes in me is that just like, you know, looking at somebody you like and smiling and saying, what are you doing this weekend? How, you know, how's your day going? The rhythm of just ordinary daily life is, um, it's all, it's everywhere. And so to be able to n- have the time to notice that like 30 seconds in the elevator is um, great because it's sort of a, a universality of it because people are, all over the world are usually like they're going to work or they're looking forward to seeing their family or they're seeing, running into their friends and you just see it in their, on their face and in their body language. And so I, I didn't really find it too difficult to think of you know, all, uh-huh. lots of people that I've seen nice. recently.
1: <clears throat> it's very nice, and it's a little bit different than what you're saying, but it's what your comments prompt for me i think it it's very easy for us to take our lives for granted, <clears throat> especially uh sometimes uh become so ordinary how well off we are even though, even those people in our culture are not so our culture our society are not so well off or well off compared to others <clears throat> I have known people who <clears throat> have been prisoners of war, who've been shot at, who've been in war, who have been in concentration camps, and struggled as kids in you know, horrible places in the world, and, um, <clears throat> and they come to California, and uh, they look around, and they just are so delighted to see that <clears throat> people feel safe. You know, they just feel so appreciation, mean, not that they feel safe themselves, but they see around and they see people who are rushing and even impatient, you know, getting, you know, the, you know, the work or, you know, just going about the normal commerce, normal activities of life and maybe not particularly outwardly happy, but they just feel, wow, these people, they're really safe. This is pretty cool. This is pretty amazing. So, sometimes I think they're reframing to look, to look at a different perspective. Because we often, we often f- uh, f- uh, settle down into a particular groove of how we perceive, what we go on. And I think sometimes it's quite appropriate to <clears throat> expand out our understanding of what is happening here in our society, in our world, and not to take it for granted. And, and I think if we don't have to expand very far, to be kind of amazed, it's kind of pretty amazing. And we realize how amazing it is that what goes on here I think there can be a lot more appreciation and delight. So, um, probably we should take a break and it's now, if we take a 15, we think we need 15 minutes probably for a break and then we come back for our last half hour together. So we'll start again at three. (laughs) So, So oh, I'm well, um, delighted that you were interested in doing this day. Um, it, oh, there's still someone coming. I hear a click. Oh, she's going, it looks. So um, um, it's said that uh, this particular Brahmavihara is the rarest one, and uh, it's the one that people also have the least interest in. <laughs> uh, you know, of, 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 the, f- of the four. <laughs> and um, so they, uh, you know, loving kindness gets a lot of press. You know, it seems like a lovely thing. Compassion is sorely needed. It's part of people's trying to cope with difficulties of life. Equanimity is also part of coping, you know, with life. But sympathetic joy, I mean, what... <laughs> what good is that? <laughs> so, um, so for a variety of reasons, it doesn't get a lot of uh, press or a lot of appreciation, and, and um, but it's definitely one of the important human qualities. It um, uh, you know, so as I've, I've said before in this series, loving kindness is seen as the in our tradition. Loving-kindness is seen as the foundational you know, foundation for these other three. That the loving-kindness is the basic uh, human warmth, goodwill, um, uh, friendliness that we could have. And then when that basic friendliness and goodwill encounters com- uh, suffering, it morphs itself into uh, compassion. When it encounters someone who's happy or successful or something's going well for them, it morphs into may that's Success continue and then if that basic goodwill encounters someone who's struggling and there's nothing we can do you can, we can wish them well, we can have compassion, but the compassion you know doesn't make any sense to get involved, then um, sometimes the appropriate uh, attitude is equanimity to not get caught at not take responsibility for it a big part of equanimity is not taking responsibility for things which there's no you have, no, you have no ability to be responsible for it. and um, but the idea, basic idea here is that I'm trying to say is that loving kindness is the basis for them all and uh, I've, I've heard Tibetan teachers say that for, in their their schema compassion is the foundation and from there it morphs in the other directions So um, and I've heard people try to say that equanimity is kind of the basic and they morph into the others so, but I've never heard anyone say that sympathetic joy is the <laughs> is the basis. So, um, so uh, you know, as you like it, you know, but, um, um, but, you know, it's a, it's a very important uh, quality to share, to delight in people, to be pleased by beautiful things, wonderful things, people's virtue, people's goodness, people's beauty, people's good fortune, people's joy, because, um, uh, it's a very important part of human life is mirroring, mirroring each other, and uh, especially you know you see it in children. Children really have a great need to be mirrored, to see, to be shown what's valuable, to be appreciated, and all these things. And so, there's a time and place where you know we celebrate together. And you know, if if, um, if something really wonderful happened to you, that was a hard struggle for you to, to happen to you, and you're just like, wow, this is so great, isn't this wonderful? And uh, and someone said to you, um, you know, you're kind of overdoing it. Or it's okay, but it's not such a big deal. Or, you know, or who are you? Who do you think you are? <laughs> you know, it's kind of squashes something. Just like when I was 17, or 16, 17, I was in boarding school, in, in, uh, in a kind of strict boarding school, high up in the Alps, in Switzerland. And it was a beautiful place in the Alps. And I remember walking with an older, maybe I was younger, maybe I was no, I was definitely younger. I was like 14 or 15. My friend was 17, and um, who I was walking with, another you know, kid in the school, and we were walking on this road high up in the mountain. We could see the valley below it was green. You can see the snow-capped mountain on the top and beautiful blue sky. And and I looked around in kind of this amazement, and said, and said, in kind of expressed my amazement and said something like, you know, why are we here as human beings? And I didn't want an answer. I was just was kind of it was kind of like you know just like the of you know, the awe and appreciation of the moment. And uh, my friend said to me, don't be silly.
8: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, and when he said that, something inside of me just closed. And I wasn't going to show that again. So there's something about being able to meet people and mirror them or share them, which is, I think is a very important human quality. And so when people feel joy or there's something beautiful in people, uh, to be able somehow appropriately share it and reflect it back or be, be, be there with it, appreciate it, is very important. And it isn't just their joy, but it's also their good qualities. Um, uh, people have good qualities. I don't know if you've noticed that, but um, I think everybody has good qualities. And do, and do we notice those good qualities? Are we so busy kind of looking at their clothes? Are we so busy looking at, you know, you know do we have our own bias of how we see people? or um, Even people we feel we don't like for some reason or other, they probably have good qualities too. And what happens if you tune into the good qualities? If you tune into what you don't like, sometimes it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And you kind of create your own relationship, you know, based on that. Is that the relationship you want, based on your aversion to them? Um, And uh, so what happens if instead of looking at their poor qualities, they probably have some poor qualities, you focus on their good qualities? And uh, sometimes what happens is when you focus on them, it draws that out. And you actually support and nourish that part of the person the the, the most. So this ability to have sympathetic joy or sympathetic delight or just have something, something, see something, appreciate something in other people, I think is a really important and valuable human quality that is well worth developing. And I think it supports our human relationships a lot in our society, both with friends and family and with neutral people <laughs> and with and with um, difficult people. So before I go on a little bit more here, I wanted to see if um, now if we're kind of, it's not, I like sitting in a circle and uh, because it's kind of shows that we're in it together, we're a community, and kind uh, can, can a sense of each other. Um, do you have anything you want to say or share about this topic or this day that, um, questions or comments or anything that you'd like to bring up at this point that, in order, so you feel more complete or finished on this topic. So let me Gail. Yeah, maybe we should have still have.
8: Um, I've been noticing how, um, in the process of uh, wishing people mudita uh, or more continuing joy, that um, I'm in In some cases, I have um, an idea of what that joy would look like um, in one case um, that the person would be more relaxed and able to slow down and really appreciate the trees and uh, but then i I was realizing. She's, she's not that sort of person. <laughs> she, she's always moving. Um, and, and she serves a lot. Uh, you know, she's always serving her family. And, um, so it's helping me that this is helping me to appreciate her more as who she is rather than who I want her to be.
1: Yeah, sounds good.
8: Yeah. So yeah. that was an extra added yeah. benefit.
1: So they appreciate
8: all
1: that energy, and appreciate the fact that she has all this energy to do what yeah, she...
8: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's, it's something that I didn't feel so good at myself, and so, but now I can uh, appreciate her more.
1: Uh-huh. Well, that's an interesting point. It's, some, uh, it's uh, our resistance to appreciate other people. Sometimes is connected to our, the struggles we have with ourselves. Yeah. And so part of the practice of mudita is to somehow work through that and, independent of what we think about ourselves, appreciate that if, if people are different than me, they might have better qualities than you, than me. You know, in many ways that someone can be better than me and rather than feel, oh, God, this is embarrassing, you know, or, you know, or it's uh, just take the light. Wow, look at that. Someone's better than me. <laughs> Isn't that great? Thank God someone is. <laughs> here. Come here. Thank you.
2: I was was wondering when we were going to get to the enemy part and whether you were going to take us through that or not, because I think it would be useful to do it in a group first.
1: Uh Yeah, I was wondering that too. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see what else there is here.
4: So the idea of noticing um, the joy that someone is having instead of remembering the, or noticing the things that aren't so positive, it sounds like a, a good counter to being judgmental, harshly judgmental. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. In practice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Now, I'm not, not trying to whitewash over how people are, but, uh, but yeah, it's a nice antidote to this with the judgmentalism.
5: One thing that that became clear to me, as we were talking in our group, is um, how a a smile is what really turns a neutral person to a person you care about, and how easy it then becomes to wish them well.
1: Mm, Nice. When they smile, or you smile?
5: Either one. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it it happens both ways.
1: Nice. Right. So we can we have the mic over.
5: Just on a very personal level, if I can feel sympathetic joy to as many people as possible, I'm much happier. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then we can have joy for you. <laughs> so um Oh you, you wanna say something? Yeah.
9: I had a moment where I felt like my heart has great capacity for joy more than I realized in simple moments find joy and love in in neutrality but if I go around my day thinking well everyone is going to be this way and want my joy and bring joy to me so when you talked about equanimity it's the first time I've heard that that
1: made sense. Nice. So I'm not sure exactly how, how the steps in my mind from what you said to what I'm going to say now, but somehow it sparks something, a memory. And Norman Fisher was the abbot of Zen Center many years ago. And Zen Center is, you know, a lot of people. And, and in some ways it's maybe because, because of the number of people and what they're trying to do there. Uh, it's always in crisis <laughs> or something like that. It's always like, not crisis, but there's always more that they could possibly do and people are struggling and it's like, and the abbots in the middle of it, people are calling, you have to be here at this meeting, you have to do this and we have a problem, you have to fix this and this person, you know, it's like, and, um, and so someone asked Norman how, you know, how he managed or something like that as they, when he was the abbot. And he said every morning when he wakes up, his assumption is that everything is fine. <laughs> That's how he starts his day, until other other news comes. <laughs> so, um, so the difficult person or the enemy. Most people in our society usually don't go around thinking they have enemies, or actively involved enemies. Occasionally we do. Oh, I have my enemy, but it's, it's not like a popular topic. But difficult people, <laughs> that's popular. There's books about difficult people, and workshops on how dealing with difficult people. It's, you know, so. But anyway, whatever you like, difficult people, there's people from, uh, who are difficult in our lives, so people we have uh, animosity to, towards, struggles with, And part of the value of finding perspectives, finding understandings, finding approaches that appreciates them, that takes some delight in them, that is pleased by some aspect of them, is that it can break the the grip that our aversion, our attachments, our clinging, our hostility has on them. It can sometimes break the grip of seeing them one way and resisting them one way. And then, if you start seeing them differently, then uh, perhaps the whole situation begins to change. So, for example, I, I have, I've had been, been in conflict with people and had my anger, a little bit of ill will towards them. And uh, whenever I feel that I have that with someone, I, it's my practice to always try to go and be in their presence. Because um, uh, I've learned that my little mind is uh, left on its own devices, is not that reliable sometimes. and Especially in this regard. And so, because I'll, you know, sit there and how could they have done that? And, you know, you know turn away and think, oh, what a terrible person. Uh, but when I'm in their presence, I can't think that way. And, and then I see more of the fullness of the person, and I'm willing to engage the person and see, you know, try to find a way. And then I'm finding very, much more interested in finding a way forward with the person than if I'm living in my, you know, abstract ideas of the person and what the person did and yeah. <laughs> so that's my practice: is whenever I've have tr- have trouble with someone, it's to try to be in their presence. But and they don't want to and they don't. <laughs> well, then I can't do much. Then I practice equanimity. Okay. <laughs> and uh, there, there is there is someone who was uh, there is you know, from the past who I had some tr- trouble with, to struggle. We had some struggles with, and and um, and I did that. I went and found him and said, "Let's talk about it." You know. And, that's you know we had lunch together and and um, and I kind of it helped me a lot to have lunch. It clear, cleared what I was what I was feeling and I felt okay from now. I think now I can have goodwill to this person. I can be friendly to this person, but um, I don't think that the person has any interest in seeing me. So, so I'm, I'm I'm fine with that. You know, if I ever ever run into each other, I'm I'll be happy to see him. But if you know. I, I, I there's enough people in my life. I don't have to go looking for people. Yeah?
9: What do you do if you have that talk and the person acknowledges that they've done something wrong but rationalizes it and says, well, this is why and I have every right to have done this hurtful thing to you and that's it?
8: But well, if that person was your own family, what would you do? <laughs>
1: I don't know. That's a interesting. I think I would try to look at them and say, "Well, um, you know, I see that you feel justified in doing it, and um, and you understand that I've been hurt. Um, do you have any care about my hurt? Do you have any sympathy, any understanding, any empathy for that? And you know, how do you feel about me being hurt? Do you just feel like you've you, 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 it was important to rub it in, or?" Depends. Uh, I think that um, it depends on what's going on inside of me. But, uh, you know, if, if uh, there's a lot of energy inside of me around this person, I might find some way to settle the energy, go for a long walk, talk to a friend, um, uh, do something that kind of helps me kind of explore it, understand it better. Uh, I've been angry with people, and, and uh, one, of the, one of my uh, favorite things to do is to go for a long walks. And because something about the walk uh, allows me to kind of move the energy of the anger through me. And, um, and, um, and then I let my thoughts just go do what they want to do. But I don't try to stop being angry. But I, and I pay a lot of attention. I have to look, what's going on here for me? I let it course through me. What's going on? What's going on? And I'll go for a long walk. And somehow the long walk allows something to settle or clarify or do something until finally, um, what I, what I, my, if I can do it, my preferred thing would be to do, to do a long enough walk until I see that underneath my anger, if there's either hurt or fear. And when I identify the hurt or the fear, then I feel I can go back and have a conversation with the person. But I don't feel it's, often don't think it's very productive to have a conversation when I'm angry. So that's one thing I've done. And um, if the person's unwilling to, to have the conversation, then... Um, You know, just try to let go. Let go and and uh, how do you deal with the blame job? The blame job? No it's all you
3: blame your all it's your problem. You're the person to be blamed
1: for. <coughs> There's a Zen story of uh, in the in Zen in the Zen monasteries they would eat in the meditation hall like this. Mm-hmm. They're all sitting around in the the edges of the hall. They're all facing each other and kind of sitting in meditation like this. And they have bowls, and then the the people would come in pots and they'd serve the serve the soup in the bowl. And and um, and one day they, they, they served all the soup up, and before they could start, the abbot said, "Wait a minute! Ask the cook to come in here." So the cook came, and um, and the and the abbot pointed to a soup to the cook. And the the the, uh, mm-hmm. the cook looked in, and there was a turtle head. Apparently, they made turtle soup or something. And um, and so the the cook reached over, picked up the head, swallowed it, and walked out. <laughs> and this is called eating the blame <laughs> in, in Zen. <laughs> and there's certain, there's certainly something very beautiful and wise about being willing to take the blame when, when there's justif- justification for it. There are times when we do things that which we shouldn't have done and it's very helpful to take the blame. Sometimes it's helpful to take whatever blame that we can for our situation. So like, say even, if we, we're responsible for 10% of the conflict. Um, even, even say, I apologize for that and take ownership of it. can helps the other person loosen up. But if you stay in conflict and like, you know, I was, I'm right and you're wrong, then um, the other person doesn't have space to move in. But if you say, "No, I realize that," you know, um, you know, I I contributed here by doing this, and I wish I hadn't, and I'm sorry for that. Um, uh, uh, that sometimes can loosen the situation up, I find, and then you can have a more productive conversation. <coughs> but if it's it's all out blame, um, I think the first approach. Uh, I, I like. I don't know if it's good, or wise, but. I think, it's all, I think it's a good first approach. If someone blames you for something, um, uh, spend, a, spend a fair amount of time assuming what, what you contributed to it. What was your role? And uh, it might not have been conventionally your, that your role was the, you know, literally to blame, but you might have, a, like the like story I tell of, you know, this, is not, this is a little different about people, but you know, I was almost in a uh, car accident many, many years ago, coming off the freeway. And um, someone ran a stop sign. I had clearly the right of way. I had stopped, I was going ahead, and this person that was coming along and was supposed to stop. And the person didn't stop, just kept going. And missed me by, it felt like a hair just right in front of me. But I reflected on that and realized that that I was a little bit pushing my gas pedal. I was a little bit in a hurry. I think I was going to Monday night to teach in Palo Alto teach people to be mindful.
7: <laughs>
1: you know, just a little bit. I wasn't, wasn't dramatic, but just a little bit. And um, and I said, wow, you know, if I had been a little bit more caught by my hurry and impatience, I would have been an inch further ahead and we would have had that accident. Legally, that person's to blame. I wouldn't have stood up and said, I'm to blame. <laughs> but uh, But my contribution was the fact that I was a little bit in a hurry. That I can't ignore, from my, my, internally for me, I have to take that into account uh, and, and learn from that. So, if someone really is angry with you and takes, you know, blaming you, I would start by seeing, what did I contribute to this? What was my role? Uh, maybe the, my role in this started 10 years ago in a whole other situation. But the way that we, our relationship built over time so that they had certain expectations about how it should unfold. And so it's not about this particular event, it's about something bigger. And start there. And then um, and then uh, I think it's very helpful if, if, if people are, a lot of people aren't willing, but it's very helpful if you try to, uh, to make I statements or make I kind of, uh, try to see if they'd be willing to understand you. You know, how you feel, the impact it has on you. So, independent of whether you're been blamed or you're to blame or to not, um, how distressing it is for you to be blamed. You know, it really frightens me that I keep getting blamed so strongly. It's very difficult for me. And sometimes, when you say that, if you don't, if you say I'm not to blame, then you're at odds. But if you say, you know, it really frightens me, it really worries me that I sh- that you are so blaming me so much. You know, this is really distressing me. Some people then will begin softening and say, "Oh well," you know, and so they may be willing to talk. Um, and some people aren't willing to talk at all. Some people just want to, you know, are stuck in their ways and their stance. And, and uh, that's when equanimity is useful and letting go is useful. And, and one of the practices in Buddhism is to look at our intention. This is why it's important to be self-reflective. To look at our int- inner intention and to realize in that situation I'm being blamed for, I'm pretty confident that my intention was good. I had no intention to harm anyone. So you take refuge in your intention knowing that you um, and you regret the harm that it caused or regret the disruption it caused in the the community but you know that you can you know that you at least can feel good about yourself on the inside. So we're getting to the end. So let's do something really quick since we should do this difficult person. So based on, maybe, maybe based on what happened today, what you learned today, or maybe some other things, if you have a difficult person in your life, if, <laughs> 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 um, or an enemy, what might be a useful perspective or useful understanding that could help you have some appreciation of them? Can you suggest some understanding, some appreciation, some approach that could help see through the difficulty and and come to some, some appreciation?
9: Understanding that they suffer too?
1: So understanding they suffer too? Okay.
9: Understanding that they never
1: so both of these are good. Usually those are um, bases for compassion as opposed to appreciation. Mm. So, I'm t- so it's good to do. Maybe that's the better, wiser thing to do sometimes, for sure. But since the topic today is appreciation, so what's the basis of appreciating them?
8: Um, I, I, I'm just um, m- remembering uh, times when when this person was smiling and really looking half, happily at me, just calling
1: that—calling so up the image manmate. of them when they were happy and well—and yeah. and that somehow breaks the trance of
8: yeah. Uh-huh,
1: okay. Other people start to feel good. Other people start to feel good.
8: Other start to feel good. Yeah, one, if one person—if one person is not happy with you or you, they're angry with
6: you—but at the if the rest of the people are happy with you, that feels good.
1: That's, it certainly does, yes. yes.
6: At least um, other people approve of you.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So that helps you with yourself. But the question now is, the person you're having difficulty with, how can you see them? How can you relate to them, understand them? So you can start having some appreciation for them. What can you see in them that you can appreciate? Are they just purely, completely terrible, bad, and unrepentant? <laughs>
6: I just think um, recognizing everybody's on a path.
1: Recognizing everyone on a path. Everyone's they're finding on a their path. So they're finding their way. They're, they're
6: finding their way, and that's their path
3: right now. Okay. Appreciating their innocence.
1: Appreciating their innocence. Yes. Say say, <laughs> okay. say a little more. That's a. a little... uh,
3: because they truly don't know. Mm. They're, it's, a, it's um it's an innocence that where they don't really know what they're doing, and um. And for me, that brings out a tremendous amount of, well, just love um, and forgiveness. I mean, I may be just, I have a very difficult daughter. I have a sister that's that's dying of cancer, and she's really brought it on upon herself. And so I've been dealing with a lot, and just um, seeing their their innocence is very helpful.
1: Mm, I like it. The image I had as you said that is that, I have another neighbor who's kind of gruff. And uh, the kids are a little bit, kind of like, a ah, little bit. But I think that he's pretty innocent. he's like, like a little kid. He doesn't know what he's doing.
3: Exactly, exactly.
1: My heart opened up. When you said it, my heart opened up to him.
3: Yeah, yeah. They really don't know.
1: Uh-huh.
3: Yeah, it's a childlike innocence.
1: Yeah, great, okay. Thank you. Have like a pain too. Yes. Yes.
3: But a- appreciating,
4: a- appreciating the, the lessons that they're giving us Appreciate. and engaging with, with them and their gruffness or the, yeah. whatever challenges they bring.
1: And so appreciating the lessons that we have, how it's b- beneficial for us to be involved in the conflict. Or, yeah. uh-huh. So we see it as an opportunity.
9: I think something I'm going to spend some real time doing is trying to find ways in their lives that they truly are successful
1: so looking at how they're successful in their own lives.
9: Yeah, yeah. and appreciating that and uh-huh. wishing them more of that.
1: Uh-huh. Successful, also successful in, in their good qualities. They probably have a few good qualities. <laughs>
9: <laughs> I maybe hope so.
1: Maybe buried, buried deep down inside. But, but you know, if you go looking, maybe there's some good qualities there. And, and perhaps they can, uh, if you can appreciate that, that's a way of you know, having to have appreciation for them. To recognize, to recognize they're in pain. You know, people yeah. that are angry or lashing out. Yes. Um, are pain? So, people are going because it's 3.30. <laughs> <laughs> that was our contra- contractual agreement, <laughs> it's to end at 3.30 today. Enough joy. Yeah, go off. So, yeah, enough joy. I'm, I'm sure you have better things to do now. So thank you very much for today. Next time we will do equanimity. Uh, I don't know what the date is, but next month sometime. And um, for those of you, you know, usually we ask for about six, seven people to stay behind to tidy up. And uh, Andrea is the manager. We have some people who can stay with uh clean the bathrooms, tidying. So one, two. I think I think there's yeah. So go talk to Andrea and great. And um, So thank you all very much.